Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Motherfucking treat. We're back and you dig it. Woo! All right. Happy Halloween, everybody. Um, my, oh, oh. Now it's happening. It's all happening here. Streaming live from Bushwick Arts and Seizures. We're back with another all-star show. And back in the co-host seat is the talented and intrepid Rosie Schapp. Good to see you. Good to see you and to hear every teenager's favorite Bach. All right. It's great. It's great. Peter's Rumba is out in Oslo scaring little children. No doubt. You know that in uh, recorded American history, there's never been a case of an apple bee, of a razor blade being found in an apple. I, I did know that. I knew that, too. I'm, I'm trying to change that tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Joining Rosie and I, we have uh, Steve Blush, author of the incredibly epic, literally epic. I mean, this thing is, is a monster. This is possibly the heaviest book ever written. And if you don't agree, you just don't know your math. Uh, um, New York Rock, from the rise of the Velvet Underground to the fall of CBGB. I was there for the last half of that. Uh, Stephen Blush. All right. And... It doesn't stop there. It's an embarrassment of riches. You're going to have to recite I'm, your... I'm embarrassed. Are you? <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Well, if I played we... in all the bands you played in, I would be too. Yes, yes. As I, as I said earlier, you've played in more bands than Ronnie Wood combined. Ronnie would combine. <laughs> I don't think you can combine Ronnie. <laughs> At Although, this point in his life, he can't combine. But, but Dean, you, I mean, you in, in this book, starting at, at the time of you were about voting age, you've probably played in like no, 90% started, of these bands. No, it starts before that. No, it does. But I'm saying when since you've been a voting age, and that coincides with this book of 18, you have been played in, in, in a metal scene, in a rock and roll scene. You're currently in The Dictators, who yes. I'm uh, very proud of, by the way. I can't believe how much work you guys are doing yes. continuously. Yes, I, I may strangle them soon, but, Again, but but it's going against all well. odds. And when I say all odds, I mean a disgruntled bass player. Always, always, <laughs> always. <laughs> all right, I love Halloween, and and Rosie Russell uh, celebrating with a new column out in the New York Times Magazine today. Oh, that's I, right. I heard of that. I heard of that. Yeah. Still gainfully employed by the Jewish press. Mazel tov. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, you know I love Halloween too. Halloween drinks, Halloween music. I'm making a Halloween dinner party oh, tomorrow. Really? Oh, really? Good time. Well, I... <laughs> it's terrifying. Um, I'm going to cook a theremin, which is what I want to do right now. No, no, I always make goulash on Halloween. Get it? Goulash! Oh, true. You are the ghoul of my dreams. Oh, you're too good. Oh, by the way, you'll be very proud. I, last night I went to a Halloween party, and I wore 
my gorilla suit. Ah, well, you were the gorilla in my dreams. Thank you, thank you. I, <laughs> that's why I thought of that. And uh, and I did meet someone on the train, and they were like, "Yeah, that gorilla suit's the best. You could never go wrong with it." And I said, "Well, me and my friend Mike Edison always said the mark of a true gentleman is having." A gorilla suit in your wardrobe. Uh, that's true. You should. You should I, I, you know, if I had a car, I'd keep it in the trunk of the car just in case I exactly. show up at a party. Exactly. And, and need, and Were you a scary ape or a funny ape? Or you an ape I was from? Harambe. Huh. I was Harambe. So I, I got you know on the streets. So you were like a, like, a, like a dead ape. No, like, no. Like, I, I was, I, well, I was I was with Lucy. Lucy was uh, Santa Muerte. So she mm. was escorting me through um, uh, purgatory. And uh, wow. during that time, uh, teenagers would run up to me on the street and be like, Dick's out for Harambe! Dick's out for Harambe! <laughs> so that's All right. <laughs> well, somehow you've managed to combine uh, rock and roll, monkeys, and the literary genre. I'm sorry, that's apes, not monkeys. That's Thank right. You. Thank you. The difference Thank is you. one of them has a tail. Yes. I, I was Thank thinking you. how one of the fun things about Halloween is a sort of mixing of myths. It's yes. like mixing metaphors, but in costume. I'm still trying to get over it's that great. there really were no razor blades and apples. I haven't really gotten beyond that one. <laughs> I, thought, my, come, come, I come, thought for sure that was still going on. Come to my house tomorrow, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's talk about uh, Steve, Steve's book, New York Rock. And this really is an epic tale. And uh, it, it's incredible you know, to, to, to read a book. that I'd be like witness to the rise and fall of an empire. Yeah. You know, I feel like you know, I, was, I was definitely in, um, you know, on the playing field for a lot of this and the bleachers. Uh, for some, uh, should be mentioned. This follows, though. You're also an incredible book on American hardcore, uh, which which you're very well known for. Which is an incredible amount of work. How the hell do you put? How long does it take to put this together? This is from the Velvet Underground to the fall of CBGB. Yeah. Well, I'll put it this and, way: I have a five year old daughter now, so and I started it before then. So uh, do that, the math. Yeah. That makes me feel so good about my very very late manuscript yes. I'm working on. Thank you, <laughs> yes. Steve. It does work like that way. You yeah. have to be. Yeah. It's how many times can I rewrite it and annoy editors yeah. and. Uh, these things don't write themselves, unfortunately. Oh, this thing writes itself. <laughs> yeah, as if. No, no, it's like having homework every day. I tell people I yeah. mm-hmm. books, but this is, um, you know what this gives you? This gives you gravitas, my friend. This is, this is, no, this is heavy. This is, I this wanted is to history. give you a high five, but I'd get involved with the therapist. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is r- r- real, real history. Um, I got to tell you, so we're reading, I'm reading the book. And it's uh, broken up logically, uh, chronologically, of course, um, but also along the lines of what one would have to call uh, scenes. Um, for instance, the proto-alt garage revival. The garage revival, you remember that, Dean? People wearing Beetle boots and little Lord Fontherai suits and playing Sonic's you, covers. You, you were part of that. No, not really. Yeah, you kind of were. Yeah, you, you know, that's you why I don't were. trust scenes, okay? Yeah, yeah. You kind of were. I, I kind of was. Yeah, um, you, you were part of that. Because didn't was, I see the Ron Chance at the dive? Uh, yeah, not was, with me, though. Yeah. Um, but, but there's an example of the Ron Chance, who were definitely a long-running New York band and uh, very proud to have been part of. Uh, definitely at the beginning was... Well, the, the first time was like it was called cowpunk because everything was yes. very twangy yes. and like you know sort of based on like really hyped up uh, twangy Dwayne Eddy riffs, kind of, kind of punkified and boozified. It really started with Michael Chandler playing at Club Fifty Seven doing X-rated truck truck driver songs. It was like a comedy act. That was actually the true untold roots of the Ron Chans. It was him and Michael Chang. It was a two-man group, Chang and Chandler, and they played X-rated truck driving songs, like the most misogynist, filthy shit you ever heard. That's where that. Spit It on the Floor came from, and a couple other things that became Ron Chans. Standards and Mike Maricana joined the group and it expanded. But by the time I, I had joined, that sort of twangabilly cowpunk thing had gone the way for something much more aggressive, and we were much more into Ray Charles and James Brown and kind of steamrolling that. Mm-hmm. But once you're in a scene, 
you're in the scene. Yeah. And I found that to, I find that very limiting. You know, I found that. Well, yeah, because I mean, yeah, I mean, I know when I wrote this book, you kind of have to categorize people a little bit. You can't just, of course, throw it all out there. And there are some similarities, and we do. I'm sure there are disagreements on. You know, was I a? Uh, you know, you can break down the minor. Categories. Oh yeah, we're going to talk. Yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> um, so, so there's a lot of that. You know, it's like kind of like you know, you're talking about the Raunch Hands, which I really liked, and you know, the record. I remember the first one on Relativity. Sure, right? well, do the Wabadang, which yeah, yeah. was, um, the, you know, the, the Raunch Hands were the next big thing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, but it's like that lasted about five minutes. Hey, you guys toured with uh, Susie and the Banshees. Uh, that was right before I joined the band, but yeah, it was it was definitely like like a thing. So Susie and the Banshees, and then when it sort of fell apart in New York. We found out we had a large following in Europe, which is when I joined the band. We, I probably did well over 100 gigs with the Ranch Hands in, in Europe. And it was more punk rock. That's where, that's where things meet. You know, when, I, when we started out, if you liked the Ramones, you definitely didn't like Hank Williams or Frank Sinatra. Right. Now, everyone I know loves Johnny Cash. And, every, you know, yeah. and it's much more open. But at the yeah. time, things were so regimented that the hardcore scene... Yeah. You know, and if you like the Dead Kennedys or the Bad Brains or, or the Irminer Threat, you definitely didn't like Little Richard and Elvis Presley. Cool. Even though you were listening to the Misfits, you know, which was basically yeah. like, you know, <laughs> an homage to Elvis. Yeah. But I, I always, I always, I fell into those traps as a young kid that was really stupid. It was really Ooh. stupid. Like, I sold the records, but I was like, I'm not into this anymore. And now I'm buying those records back for three times the <laughs> yeah. amount of money. You know, like it's like for ridiculous. Sure. I gotta say, I'm surprised to hear that team because you were one of the most ecumenical music fans I know. I, I mean, you're a big fan of prog rock and country rock and blues. Yeah. You're very knowledgeable, and yeah. um, like uh, Duke Ellington once said, there are only two kinds of music: good and bad. Yeah, and I actually like a lot of the bad stuff too. <laughs> I do. I, I, I can't deny. Like, like the, you know, like I'm, I'm, you know, New York radio, not not this kind of radio. Radio that. That's the free radio in your car is the worst. I mean, like, you, it's the worst ever. I, I only listen to... I have, I have four choices in the radio that I switch to. It's uh, Q104, this classic rock, and that half the time it's absolutely Terrible. unlistenable. Oh, my God. And then I switch to 101, you know, CBS. 101.1. Which used to be the best station, and now it's sort of like because, the worst. Well, no, because... because His 90s is, is, the, is oldies. Well, because yeah. the 80s, when they sneaked that up, the 80s became, yeah. you know... But I'm, the 80s... I don't even mind the '80s stuff. It's that I I can't stand anything from 1990 <laughs> to 2001. Thank like, you. Like to me, that's the worst <laughs> era of music yeah. ever created in the in the history. Also, of there hasn't been a good painting made in America since 1951. Well, yeah. Well, I'm just saying. You know, I mean, you know, that's something. You know, uh, and when's the last honest politician that ran for office? Um, broad statements, but hard to argue. <laughs> Very broad <laughs> statements, indeed. Well, that that being said, um, as a kid, you know, when, when I'm 15, 16, 17 years old, getting into hardcore, and all of a sudden it's like, fuck punk rock. I'm only into hardcore. You know, it's like you, 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 come, you compartmentalize. Oh, you man. Part, that's where you, you got. And then, and then for a while I was like, fuck this. I'm only listening to skinhead music. And fuck that. I'm only listening. Then all of a sudden I was like only listening to different things and like wait a second all this stuff is the same it's the same right, stuff right. like it's all the same stuff and, and very it, much my experience it, it was it was uh, it was pretty dumb when I was out on the road with Reagan Youth people used to like laugh at me for listening to Elvis and, and, and Little Richard and, and and on and on and on and like I said they listened to the Misfits and some of them liked the Cramps but they didn't like Rockabilly <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like Rosie you ever meet a Grateful Dead fan who tells you I don't like the blues or I'm not into country music yeah. sure <laughs> no, and, and that was something I found frustrating in my two 
years spent or misspent on Grateful Dead tour. Of course I wanted to listen to other things, but many people didn't. But I think when we're young, identity formation is such an urgent matter for some of us. Identity formation yes. is the crux Absolutely. of this. And and so we, that happens. It's like, well, I love this, so I can't love this. And I think we outgrow that. Yes. Can we that's talk about the Grateful Dead for a minute? Oh, yeah. let's do oh, yeah. that. Yeah, sure. that's, like a, that's like a real bane of my existence. Very, very un-New York. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I really tried yeah. at, at all different phases of my life. To like, get, I mean, I even saw like a cla- I saw one of their classic concerts at English Town Raceway when I was uh-huh. a kid. Sunday, I mean, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> so, I liked. I loved the subversion. I loved the like the DIY side. I loved. But the culture of it, there was just something really lacking, and I, that just drove me to punk rock. The part where someone could take a nap on stage and, the, and fans would applaud? The cra- well, I well, think it the, I, I think we the, got to nap, too. <laughs> so it kind of worked for everybody. All right. I won't get too deep into no, it. No, no, but, but it's fine. No, it's, it's, it's fine. Because but it, I just, it, like, I, I was uh, I was DJing a party last night, and I was I even threw on some Grateful Dead. I threw on, like, cool. I threw on Althea, you know. Well, I do cool. find it interesting. People, oh, I like Althea. Like the worst song ever No, no there are far worse. But I, I find I it played, so interesting. I played that uh, China Cat Sunflower. People too. who never would have listened Althea. to the Dead 20 years ago and, and, and mocked me, they now, they've now embraced the Dead. I, At least some songs. Listen, I, I want to love the Grateful Dead. I mean, Dead. they toured solo. They... They had their own sound systems. Yeah. There was no warm up. They weren't part of the system. Yeah. Even these last shows, if you wanted to go see them, you mm. sent like your money to a post office right. box in Oakland. Uh, after the fans complained because the Ticketmaster thing was a scam, yeah. and all the tickets went to third party vendors, right. well, that's and the fans complained and said it's not very Grateful Dead. So, in all fairness, well, there was, we go. It was an evil cash grab. <laughs> <laughs> but there's always something weird that comes back with them too. You know, it's kind of like I'm a huge it, Jerry Garcia fan. Yeah, I, me too. I, you've heard I think me he say was a great before. musician. I think yeah. he was an unbelievably good singer. One of the most yeah. underrated singers. He could make. I mean, he could make me cry with with his ballads and and uh, great uh, Bob Dylan interpret. Interpreter, by the way, and they were great friends. Of okay, course. why aren't more people dressing like Bob Dylan, the current Nobel laureate for literature? As Halloween, I mean, the dude looks like an Undertaker. This seems like the perfect topical Halloween costume. Wide brim, good idea. River Gambler, Undertaker hat. I mean, why not? I've been noticing like these like rehash Highway 61 revisited T-shirts. I've been catching a lot of them in the past week or two. Oh, there's nothing like winning a Nobel Prize to like make you hip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's super hip. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about the Grateful Dead though. It does beg the question, uh, Steve? Where are the hippies in this book? Mm. Well, I do actually go into it a little bit. I, I kind of start this uh, story of the rise of the Velvet Underground, right? And there's the hippie thing before it, which is probably best represented by the Fugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, I talk about that, but I, I really see it as a precedent. I see it as something that led to the rock because there's really, as much as thugs were intense and the Ginsburg thing, it really doesn't resonate today. I mean, yeah. the attitude resonates, and yeah. that's the precedent. But they're a little the hard great, to listen to. Right. I, 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 was <laughs> gonna you, I was gonna say the answer is Sonic Youth. Yeah, Sonic Youth. Hippies. Huh. You don't think so? I mean, sort of the Grateful Dead of the noise yeah. generation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and so, so we're and to me, to me, and a lot of people uh, raise their eyebrows about this. To me personally, musically, television was the Grateful Dead. Absolutely yeah. huge Jerry Garcia influence in yeah. that guitar playing. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, side two, a Marquee Moon. I mean, it it goes into. It definitely goes into all like those looping Grateful solos. Dead, and I love it. I love those. Songs. Well, here's here's a you know common you know misunderstanding too. I think everyone in this room gets it. Um, but at large, CBGBs being the home to all this music. But what do the Ramones, Blondie, and Television talking heads really have 
in common with each other. You know, I mean, Blondie's a pop band, you know, yeah. at its heart. You mm-hmm. know, um, the Ramones obviously were ground zero for their own thing, but also an art experiment in their own. Four guys who dress alike and have the same names yeah. playing highly conceptualized songs. Yeah, it's like and uh, television, which is sort of post velvet hippie art. Right. Well, Woo! you know, I remember that in the hardcore days. It was, you know, the butthole surfers were hardcore. You know, everybody oh, yeah. was hardcore. It was just because if you had it in you to be there. Right. That's what it's about. And that's what was going on at CBGB's. It, was, it wasn't the sound. It was like the attitude. It was yeah. like an umbrella of like, you know, these, like, you know, these intense characters of all these different True. sounds, True. right? So it's, it's never about the sound in a lot of ways. You know, yeah. It's really about who's congregating. Yes. And that's one thing I try to get involved in with this book, too. It's that New York rock, the interesting thing about New York rock is that it's, it's the people who are living below 14th Street all mingling, and whether they were artists or poets or sculptors or filmmakers, I mean, I learned... I didn't even, you know, I was just told I didn't know what art was when I moved to New York. And then finally I kind of showed up in this, around when there was this East Village gallery explosion. And it made perfect sense to me because it was like rock and roll, totally. you know. Totally. And, 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 and the rock and roll was all part of this. And that's what we were a part of downtown. We were living this Ooh. thing that was like... It's never really been seen before and probably won't be seen again. I definitely always felt that we were outside looking in, no matter how popular our bands got within our own scene. Q104 wasn't about to add it to the playlist. No, but you know, it, nowadays you you know you turn on Q104 and they do play the Ramones. I mean, they play well the Ramones. Oh my God! I mean, someone said to me, <laughs> "This is uh, wow." This, I'm going to think about this. Is, you know, my list of great things people have said to me. This goes way back to the '90s. And someone <laughs> said to me, you know, a, a, a younger person who was trying to mentor a little bit said, "Well, just name you know defensively, you know, <laughs> name one punk rock band that's still active and playing." And I said, well, the Ramones. And it's not the Ramones aren't punk rock. They're like a mainstream classic rock band. <laughs> but not understanding that when I went to high school, you got beaten up for liking the Ramones and the Sex Pistols. Come on. I remember, yo, faggot. Hey, Devo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was a big one. Yeah. Hey, Devo. I mean, that's because that's all they do. They, yeah. you know. The poor girl across the street from me had purple hair. She's such a, <laughs> a, a sweet girl. And because she dyed her hair purple, she was just another punk rocker, art student, you know, looking for whatever anybody was looking for when he was 17. The girls thought she was a dyke, and the guys thought she was a slut. Mm-hmm. You know, there's and no get, win, and guess what? No winning for losing. They were all right. <laughs> all right, we're gonna, we're gonna take a short break. Wanna... <laughs> How are you feeling today, Dean? I feel awful. <laughs> I feel awful. I, I, um, I'm pretty hungover. Uh, I haven't been drinking that much, and I've been, I've honestly been trying to take the weekend warrior approach. To well, just, just drink on the weekends. Don't drink during the week. I've been going to the gym, feeling better. Because uh, sickness and death surround me at all times. So you know, it's I'm like, I have to fight it a little bit. So I, 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 on the weekends, even Friday, I didn't even drink that much. But last night, you know, it's really good for I was wearing the gorilla suit. I was wearing the gorilla suit and drinking. I was burning hot. Yeah. I'm drinking through this gorilla suit. Everyone's like, ah, that's so funny. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on my 9,000th beer. <laughs> and it's like, I feel terrible. And, and, uh, but you know, the Edison, the Edison uh, hangover treatment is the best. I, I didn't have time this you, morning. You had a beer in the shower this morning? I didn't Nothing know. else works as no, well as a beer in the, the shower. When are you going to dedicate, call, Rosie, when are you going to dedicate a column to drinking beer in the shower? 
I, I, you know, I have to say, I've never drank a beer yeah, before. I, well, then you haven't lived, my friend. I'm not sure that's a winning China. pitch yeah, for okay. the column. I'm for not, the New York Times? Well, maybe for anyone. Uh, <laughs> no, no. I don't knock it until you try it. Not even the food, okay. not even not, the food section? <laughs> and it's not even, no, or, or, or the hygiene section, <laughs> such as it is. You know, it's not just science. a hangover cure. It's, a, it's an important science. <laughs> I mean... Science! Science. Uh, Of course I've had to write about hangovers now and then, and and we all know the filthy truth. There really is no cure. Yeah, just keep Um, drinking. Sex, uh, sleep, and more booze. uh, An emergency room doctor who I sat next to at a bar one night um, he said, basically, uh, said, what, you woke up to one night in the, the emergency the room. Stuff, the Pedialyte, you know, Pedialyte, the stuff yeah. they give dehydrated babies. Yeah. Pedialyte and sleep. Yeah, that's it. And, that's uh, it really. Well, yeah. I just want to promote the, the beer and shower as a lifestyle element, not only as the RX for hangovers, but also, I mean, I love in the summer when I have a three shower, three beer in the shower a day. It's like the first <laughs> one I'm on vacation, so I'm just sort of getting up and getting yeah. it started. I may or may not be hungover, but it's nice because it's hot and, you know, and and, uh, you know, I'm summering in Italy, so I can you know, get away with this sort of thing. But then, you know, after the morning, you come back, you have lunch, and you want to change because you know you're kind of gross. So you have another beer, take a shower. It's another beer opportunity. Yes, actually. And it's then my favorite, my favorite though, even like on a, on a normal day, is as civilized people do. I change. I like to change for dinner. Yes, not, not in the downtown Abbey way sort of way. I'm, I'm not living some costume drama. But I've worked, and I'm going to go out to dinner and have a date. I don't want to take a shower and change and revitalize. That's my favorite beer in the shower, right there. Because when I get to the restaurant, that shouldn't be the first drink I've had all day. Is there another Ooh. date after the beer in the shower? That's what I <laughs> well, there's another one when you come home. When you come home, you can have more beer in the shower. What, what I do find appealing about this is that some people say beer is good for the hair. So while you're drinking, you yes. mix a little into your shampoo. Yeah. You can justify anything. Remember, uh, what See, was not that? an IPA, though. I don't think that's good for the hair. <laughs> what was that stuff? Shampoo on tap? Remember that oh, stuff? Oh, it's all coming back to me. The right. Yeah. All right. I hope that Bloody Mary is sorting out. Let's get back to Steve's book, though, for a second, because before we run out of time, it being the fastest 30 minutes on the internet mm-hmm. and all that, I want to talk about the fall of CBGBs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that there's a non-sentimental view in your book. I really like that because... because I haven't read the book yet and that exactly... Well, I don't want to ruin the ending for it, but CBGBs isn't there anymore. Everyone dies. Everyone dies. (laughs) It's the king of your ending. (laughs) Right, right. Everyone dies. Uh, there's now this guy's good, but but we're but but you can go to the place where CBGBs once stood and buy a very very I'm gonna use my Joe Franklin voice very 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 expensive sweater. Very expensive. Fact, I went in there expensive. and they gave me something. I I don't even want to wear it. It's, like, <laughs> it's just like it's not even like comfortable clothes. It's like a knockoff of this. I don't know, man. It's like. I thought I, I was so proud. I walked out of Arvados once with these free clothes, and I was like no, a fool. I don't you, even wear them. And you the, felt kind of dirty after yeah, I did, that, right? I did, you needed to take a shower with I, a beer I right did, after yes, that. Yes. I, I estimate conservatively that in the first decade of uh, this millennium, 2000, 2010, I drank 75 cases of beer in the shower. You can wow. do the math. It adds up. That's, that's, that's barely based on like a 3.5 beer a week estimate. It, it adds up quickly. Um, CBGBs. Okay. okay. And, the sh- and the bathrooms at CBGBs, which were so lovingly recreated at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Yes. <laughs> you know, when I was working on this book, I used one of those pictures that, that I have in there of the bathroom, and all of a sudden, the art director decided to like use it like five times, and I said, "Over my dead body, are you putting this book out with like a bunch of toilet pictures?" You know, it's like we get the idea. We Certainly the idea. a historic toilet, but still. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't really. 
Thank you. As toilets, as toilets go. There are some great photos <laughs> in this book. It's not photo heavy, but um, there's some great stuff. I love the picture of the Lismore Lounge, just the yeah. outside, to remind me of all the good sleazy nights uh, we had there. Yep. A, a, a good Gigi Allen gig, a successful Gigi Allen gig got involved. It actually, end, it actually ended. We actually played, <laughs> we played, we played, we played the, the set. set. We yeah, played yeah, the set. set. It was incredible. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, no, so anyway, I think we all know what was happening at the end of CBGB's. It was uh, just kind of a slow, slow, painful decline. Yes, it was awful. And uh, it really was awful, right? It was awful. It was. Were, they had the, it went from a place that <clears throat> in the 80s and 90s, I would, the first thing I would look at is who's playing. And I would go there at least, at least once a week, maybe twice a week, at least. There was it's, a, a show. it's a great and room, then, great and then sound. The, the last 10 years that it was open... There was maybe one good show every four months, and it was like almost like a sympathy gig. Like someone would be like, "Yeah, we might as well play CBs," or someone who really went out and looked to play there and made an effort because they weren't booking mm-hmm. out of town bands, they weren't making an effort to book the best didn't care. local bands. You know, all the bands that were playing at Coney Island High could have played at CBGBs when they did those- as, as, as well. Mm-hmm. Because people love CBGBs. Mm-hmm. Great room, great sound on stage. Uh, musicians loved it because the sound on stage, the giant, the giant <clears throat> side fill, Dude, like the single it. greatest monitor yeah. in the history of it's New York. It's an ama- amazing sound system. <laughs> you know, as a non-musician, I. Um, <clears throat> Went there and I was uh, I'd done this record and I was announcing bands up there and I just as a non musician I felt the power yeah you know mm-hmm. I was like wow like it was re- not not just the production I'm talking about but mm-hmm. like the whole the whole thing but it was um like what you're just what I thought was really telling about the fall of CBGBs was when they did the shows like the last month of shows there was mm-hmm. no local bands mm-hmm. it was all like touring bands mm-hmm. from L A and London who Loved the idea of CBGB. Wanted to get in under the wire. I, yeah. there's, a, there's a story that's hinted at in your book, but not fully explained, that um, Patty Smith was kind of acting like a diva in one of those shows, and at least said, let's close it down right fucking now. You want, you want to tell the <laughs> yeah, story? That, that's actually the, the that, that is actually the story. Um, the last night of CBGB's, Patty Smith was playing. Patty Smith told Hilly, you can't record it, or something like that, and was laying down all these rules. He goes, you know what? I'm done. Out of here. Get out. He threatened That's to awesome. throw them all up, and Patty, Patty came up like about five minutes later and apologized and let him do everything. But he full on was over it. I mean, yes, we know he was dying. You know, yeah. we know all this other stuff, but just culturally, it was over. Like you, yeah, you know, Dean, totally. Dean describing it pretty well. And there's also this, like, one thing that I really sticks in my mind is like how the club would be empty, tourists would be peeking in there, and then going next door to buy the T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Totally. It was a, well. It was, it was like insane. It, it, like, it was a large licensing and T-shirt business at the end. Yeah. You can now visit CBGBs in Newark Airport. I understand. Yeah, you can. Wow. We'll, we'll, you be, can. We'll, <laughs> we'll be we'll be appearing there anytime. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. But I don't think he wanted to keep the club going at any time. Yeah. And this whole save CBGBs thing, I thought it was so sad because the people who wanted to save CBGBs hadn't been there in a long time. You know, we talked about this a lot of the show. Nostalgia for things. Um, that we haven't even, you know, oh my God, the Mars bars is, is closing. CBGB's is closing. New York is changing. When's the last time you were there? You know, when's the last time you made an effort? It wasn't, you know, and the guys that own CBGB's didn't want to save CBGB's is a sad thing. So, yeah, that's true. so it wasn't, you know, like they were being euthanized. I mean, it was kind of like more of like a merciful uh, death with dignity is what I was looking mm-hmm. for. I love also in your, in your, in your book, we're talking about Steve Blush's book, New York Rock, in, in, uh, some of the uh, comments about New York changing from Dick Manitoba, Iggy Pop's got a great comment in your book. It's like, 
it, it is changing, and it's changed for all of us. Um, but New York's always been changing. Yes. Okay, it's been changing since you know it was New Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. That is the nature of the right. island. Yes, yes. You know, it's getting a little whiter, and it's getting a little bit more too many chain stores and IOPS and what have you. Yeah. But that's the nature of the island. And yeah. to ignore that is really clinging onto some you know sort of sort of phantasm. I, I think what I've learned from writing this book is that every generation has that. Yes. Like everybody, and one thing I say in the intro, which is very interesting, is like what I learned was like every generate every scene, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, it was all like, who's the sellout? Who's like the traditionalist? Who's who's you know the most pure? Like who's you know? So it's like these same discussions go on and on and on. So everybody thinks their stuff is profound. And pure, yeah, right, right, and uncompromised, right, right. So where's where's it happening now? That's uh, that's what I want to know. I'm, you know what? I I love the term now. Well, it's post, impossible. Post rock. I love that term. To define. I love that term post rock because it really is. At first, I hated it, but then I realized it's it's perfect because if you know your art movements, there's like you know impressionism, then post impressionism, mm-hmm. where they're basically doing impressionism, but it's just the the context is totally different. And that's kind of what rock is now. It's like you still have four people on stage, and you still have the interaction, and you have all the trappings of a rock show, but you can't tell me that the same culture exists that was there yeah, 25 years I'm, ago. I'm astounded when I just scroll through my, my Facebook feed, and I see so many bands who look exactly like. It's remarkable. It's it's one person standing with a bass player and a guitar player on the other side. I mean, it is a time-proven formula. You know, that is that is what guitar bands are about. Uh, but man, it's like, and it just looks exactly the same, and there's, there's no wonder why the popularity for this sort of like local kind of rock is dwindling, because it's been going on for so long. I don't know. I don't have the answer. I don't, I don't know what's new. I think, I think what always you know, happens. I mean, again, coming back to that art thing, just in a more general term, it's there's these periods where there's this incredible action and so much happens, and then there's like a century where everybody's catching up to it. Yeah. And I kind of feel like we're kind of at that right now. Yeah. Because you know, because uh, there's been so many ideas were thrown. Like you know, talking about this book. I mean, new wave, no wave, post punk, <laughs> rock, punk, glam. You know, neo glam. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm coming up with words. I know, but I, I yeah. shared a rehearsal space w- with these guys. I thought they were a heavy metal band until they corrected me and said, we are not heavy metal. We are brutal death. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no joke. They're very, very earnest. Okay, it has been, as always, the fastest 30 minutes on the internet today. Arts and Seizures today was episode 199. Wow. Dan, you dig it. We're coming up to the 200th episode, and uh, everyone's invited. We're going to have a party. Stay tuned. Uh, the party's going to be at, um, yeah. after, if uh, we survive Woo. the upcoming election, I will announce the details. All right. Rosie's got a new column in the New York Times today. I do. Uh, right. What's your column about Drink today? up. It's about uh, Halloween approval. Appropriate drinks with blood in their names. Nice. So what are we drinking today? Uh, well, I'm drinking a Bloody Mary, but I wanted to offer <laughs> alternatives to that. So I, I highly, highly recommend a Blood and Sand for your Halloween drink. Blood and Sand. That's like a bullfight. Can we have one afterwards? Uh, probably. We probably can. Okay. They've got scotch, and they've probably got cherry liqueur and lime juice. And is it good, though? That sounds kind of no, nasty. No, it's, it's not good. It's, uh, it's just, it's Let me tell you something. It just, I mean, it just looks red. I can vouch no, for, it's a great drink. I, I can vouch for the witchy wonders of Rosie Shaft, Stevie <laughs> Nicks of Brown Liquor. The nicest thing like anyone that. ever said to me. Thank you so much. I, I somehow <laughs> doubt that. But thank you so much for coming My in pleasure. and joining us again. The great Dean Rispler. Uh, who's again been in more bands than anyone I know? <clears throat> continuing, been, continuing in that tradition. Have you been uh, played in Q104 yet? As, you know? uh, not for a while. I mean, my <laughs> an old band was on uh, Jonathan Davis. Jonathan Davis is that his Which name? Which band was that? Jonathan, Jonathan was, uh, Clark. Jonathan Clark. Thank you. Thank you. 
Uh, Jonathan Clark played my old band many years ago. Which old band uh, was that? Tiger old? Mountain. Tiger Mountain. Yeah, it was I a pop. Remember, like I, remember, poppy. I remember Tiger Mountain. Yeah, it was a pop. But you can go see Dean uh, with the Dictators uh, on New Year's uh, Not playing, on New Year's I'm Eve. Playing, I'm playing. Listen, 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 I'm playing Dictators December 30th at Bowery Electric. I'm playing December 3rd with Cosmo Demonic at uh, St. Vitus. And I'm playing December 1st with. I'm filling in on bass with the Star Spangles at. Berlin. Ooh, Our old nice. friends. Yeah. Uh, and then in... Uh, busy man. Yeah, trying to be, trying to be. No, we should get those young Yeah, I mean, can I just to step in? I mean, Dean's really done so much great stuff around here, you know, kind of like quietly and respectfully, like, done, like, really good work. And that's kind of what this book is about in many ways, like, kind of giving respect to the people who aren't just, like, totally, like, it's not all about your publicist. Mm-hmm. You know, or like whatever this stuff is, or yeah. however you're, you get yourself known. I mean, yeah. it's really about the people who are in the trenches. I mean, look, you know, the, the great artists are the ones who just do the art and don't talk about it. You know, and that's a hard thing to be. Yeah. And it's, but, you know, this is kind of in tribute to that, you know, because like I'm that. all about the work. I'm all yes. about, like, you know, doing yeah. the work. That's, well, I think this is a, is a great book. Is. New York Rock and from book. the Rise of the Velvet Underground to the Fall of CBGB, Steve Blush. And I he think did the work. I yes, everyone, everyone <laughs> did, did the work. work. Everyone should do the work. No shortcuts, kids. That's right. No, no. There work. No, no Everyone's got to go on tour. Yep. You got to get out there. Go get in the van. No, ma- no matter what. If you're doing a book, Got on tour. You got, that's get right. in the van is right. Yeah, you got to get in the van. Uh, metaphorically, existentially, and otherwise, it's been Arts and Seizures. Come on next week. It's going to be the 200th episode. I promise you more. More mayhem. Once again, Rosie Schott, the whistler of the great Steve Lush. Please buy his book. It's fantastic. It's very important to have books about uh, scenes such such as this. There are a lot of people in this book who otherwise uh, may have, have not ever been mentioned again, which is sad. I mean, they're always going to talk about Sonic Youth. Maybe, um, but you know, it's, I'm, I'm flattered that I mentioned the book, and everyone that I know is is in this book, and it's really it's really important. Thank you. Uh, Thank I, you. I, I mean, like, look, I when when I worked on this, there was every reason not to put everybody's name in it. There's like, I mean, when I'm talking to an editor. There's <laughs> of course, there's, there's of course. no reason that I should be writing about any of this. You know, they'd be very happy <laughs> if I just wrote 20 more pages on the Ramones. You know, no. really, you know what I'm saying? And no. I, I got down to a paragraph. I just want you to know that. <laughs> the Ramones book has been written. You know, yeah, the, the Velvet Underground book is written. The New York Dolls book, you know, has, has been written. But all these wonderful bands of the 80s were such a good time in, in, in New York City. And the 80s sort of get slagged for being bad music. And certainly, you know, Reagan-era new wave dances were probably the nadir of the entire fucking art form. But meanwhile, CBGB's was happening. Liz Moore Lounge was happening. And a lot of great bands in New York and, uh, you know, out of Austin, out of Minneapolis, you know, out of California were definitely happening. Just not... um reaching the uh, <laughs> the stratosphere of Q104 classic Woo! rock. All right, we'll see you next week in Arts and Seizure. We're going out with one of our local favorites, Do Willies. This is the New York Stomp. See ya!
for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.